Welcome to Swarupa Vidya Ashram. My name is Swami Nirmalananda. Each audio is a discourse that I offered at a satsang, a free meditation program, and was followed by meditation. These teachings address the underlying questions of life. Who am I? Why am I here? How do I do what I came here to do? I went to my guru with these same questions. While he gave me the teachings I share here, most importantly, he gave me the inner experience they describe. This is why I teach, to share the same with you, both the theory and the inner experience of your own inherent divinity. The bliss of consciousness is your birthright. Meditate and discover that you are greater than you could ever imagine. Om Namah Shivaya Gurave Satchidananda Murtaye Nishprapanchaya Shantaya Niralambaya Tejase Muktanandaya Gurave Shisha Samsara Harane Bhakta Karyaika Dehaya Namaste Chitsaratmane Hitave Jagatameva Samsara Nava Sitave Prabhave Sarva Vidyanam Shambhave Gurave Namaha Guru Brahma, Guru Vishnu, Guru Devo Maheshwara, Guru Sakshat Parabrahma, Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha, Om Swarupa Swasvabhava Namo Namaha. I bow to my own self. I bow to my Baba's own self. I bow to his Baba's own self. I bow to your own self. Your own essence, your own being, your inherent divinity. God within you, being you, O Shiva. Again and again I bow. Om Swarupa Swaswa Bhava Namo Namaha. Peace follows renunciation. If you're not living in a state of profound peace, it's because you're clinging. Krishna makes this clear in the Bhagavad Gita, chapter 12, verse 12. Shreyo dhyana karma palatyagas-jagat-chantiranantaram. Better than practice is knowledge. Better than knowledge 
is meditation. Better than meditation is renunciation of karmic fruits, for peace immediately follows renunciation. Chyagachantiranantaram, peace immediately follows renunciation. You know this. You have experienced this so many times. You wanted something that you couldn't have. You maybe even tried for it and didn't make it. Or you lost something that was dear to you and you were crushed. You were in the dumps for days, maybe months or years. And then you got over it. Life goes on. And you got back into it. That's the best definition of renunciation I've ever come up with. You get over it. Instead of being obsessed with anything, you get over it. You move on. Life moves on. Of course, most people moan about it for a while. One yogi told me she'd been through the death of a child a terrible thing, I know. Yet, 22 years later, she was still crying about it every night. She even admitted to me, as we talked, that she hadn't taken proper care of her living children because she was so destroyed at losing one. Worse, they knew they were second best. She was clinging to what she didn't have while ignoring what she did have. She was so generous in sharing her pain that she inflicted it on others. I don't mean to sound callous, but get over it. That was the gist of our conversation, and it seemed to do her some good. Tiagachantiranantaram, peace immediately follows renunciation. Renunciation is also called letting go. In her case, it was about letting go of what she didn't have. But you also have to let go of what you've got. That is, if you want to experience peace. Clinging to what you own is clinging. Your hands end up like claws, unable to open out. I've seen so many elders with cramped up hands many of whom allowed me to move them through a slow and gentle process of opening their hands out. It takes a couple of years. It's easy for a yoga teacher to see who's clinging to stuff. In Shavasana, their hands don't relax. At least not in the opening Shavasana, at the beginning of class. Yet so many times I've seen students in their final shavasana that suddenly their hands just open out, almost flat. And I know they've just settled into a deeper dimensionality within. That's the point. And meditation takes you there directly. When you settle into self, there's nothing to cling to. There's nothing you need. No one person is more dear to you than another. All 
are divine incarnations, the one reality being all, including you. When you know your own self, you see the self in all. Some people see self only in their family members or in their dog. One student insisted that her dog could do yoga and meditation with her. I was teaching that you need to put your animals outside the room when you're doing yoga and meditation, and she didn't like it. She said her dog liked yoga and meditation. I said, of course. You're sharing your bliss with the dog, so the dog gets benefit from it, but you don't. The dog holds you back. She didn't want to understand, so she persisted. My dog loves me more than anybody else ever could. Okay. At that point, I had 75 other people listening to the exchange many of whom felt the same way about dog. I couldn't just let them all marinate in her delusion. I said it this way. You're in charge of your dog's food. When it's able to pee and poop, it's trips outdoors and opportunities to exercise as well as, so important, to sniff around. You're in charge of your dog's medical care. It's sex life or lack thereof. Your dog relies on you for affection, discipline, I hope, play, food, and companionship. Even the company of other dogs only happens when you choose. Your dog doesn't love you. Your dog is completely dependent on you and knows it. What is the difference between dependency and love? It's a good question. Let's go a step further. What's the difference between love and clinging? It's easy to figure out. If you're not living in deep, constant peace, you're clinging. That's not real love, not from my perspective. I need you is not the same as I want you. And that's not the same as I love you. Love comes from inner fullness, overflowing outward, not from neediness. Love is not about what you get. Love is about what you have to give. And you're already totally and completely full. Your inherent beingness is perfect beingness, the light of consciousness. Your essence is divine. You are Shiva. You simply can't see all the way inward because you've got so many things cluttering up your mind. You can't see past the stuff you're clinging to. It's an inner clinging, and it keeps you from seeing all the way in. It's like you installed 
room-darkening curtains inside your mind so the light of your own being can't shine through and you can't see all the way in. Peace immediately follows renunciation. Your clinging is not limited merely to things and people. Unfortunately, you cling to your idea of who you are. I know that you are so much more than you think you are. I see the divine in you, always shining through. But you don't see it because you're clinging to the things you think make you, you. Possessions, yes. Places, yes. People, yes. Memories, fears and beliefs about your limitations and needs and blaming others, sometimes even after they've left your life and you're still blaming them. I'm going to say, get over it. It's time to let go. Way past time. Okay, I know it's not so easy. Here's why. If you're clinging to something, like if you're from a certain place, and you say, and you feel, I'm an American. And you stop clinging to that. And you don't feel, I'm an American. You feel empty inside. The place that used to be filled up by this thought, well, that place is empty now. Dare we call that peace? You can let go of the inner clinging and still be a citizen and do your civic duties, but then it's something you do, not something that you are. This is the difference. What makes you be you? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Anything that you feel makes you be you, if you were to lose it, you wouldn't be you anymore. You'd have lost your sense of self. You are more than all you own, than any place you go or that you have come from. You are more than the people you relate to, the things you do, the values you hold dear. All of these can change, and you'll still be you. You must find the deeper dimension of your own multidimensionality to experience and know the truth of your own beingness, what yoga calls your own self. In this month's teachings article, I quoted the sage Narada. He asks, an important question in the Bhakti Sutras, in Sutra 46. Kastarati, kastarati mayam, kastarati, kastarati mayam. Who crosses, who crosses maya? He raises an important question, asking who will become free from delusion? Then he answers it, saying, you have to leave everyone in your life. 
to serve great beings and be unselfish. Vedanta says the same thing, that you must turn away from the world in order to find Brahman. It's an interesting term, Brahman. It can be translated as God, and it can be translated as self. The teaching is that you must turn away from the world to find that which is both God and self. Buddhism says the same thing, leave the world. Even Jesus said the same thing, see Luke 14, 26. Yet our meditative system, Kashmiri Shaivism, says the opposite, that you must embrace the world. The trick is, and it's a tricky trick, the trick is that you must embrace the world without becoming entangled in it. Peace immediately follows renunciation. But renunciation doesn't mean what you think it means. In the English dictionary, renunciation is defined as abstention, relinquishment, giving up, resignation, yielding. I don't think there's anything on that list that someone's going to be very enthusiastic about. But the list grows. Repudiation, abdication, cancellation, veto, rebuff, refusal, spurning, and more. It gets scary. It's easy to see why most Westerners equate renunciation with rejection, desertion, abandonment, running out on, running away from, an attempt to escape from responsibilities. Nope, none of that is what yoga means by renunciation. In fact, yoga doesn't even use the word renunciation. That's an English translation and a poor one at that. What is yoga's word for renunciation? Tyagachantiranantaram. Peace immediately follows renunciation. The Sanskrit word here is tyaga. What does it mean? It means being free. Emptied of all the things that used to hold you back. And it means to make sacred, holy. I'll return to where I began. If you're not living in a deep, abiding peace, you're clinging. Get over it. Let it go. I'll go a step further and say, grow up. You have outgrown so many of your childish things, so why not outgrow the stuff that keeps you from being enlightened, Tyaga? There's a difference between a sannyasi and a tyagi. A sannyasi, a swami, is one who has taken vows of renunciation, formalizing their commitment to enlightenment. They are saying, all the stuff that the world offers, I see all of you in the midst of it. 
but you don't look so happy to me. All you talk about is your unhappiness. Is this really working for you? Well, I got to say, I don't think it will work for me either. So I'm making a different choice. That choice is formalized with the guru, often including the yajna, the Vedic fire ceremony, ever after the Swami wears the color of the fire, like this. But a Swami, who has all the best intentions in the world, might still backslide into clinging. They wear the color on the outside, but do they burn with the fire of consciousness within all the time? Not until they're a tyagi. A tyagi is one for whom nothing else suffices. Mother Teresa of Avila said it this way, solo Dios basta. Only God suffices. Nothing else is enough. For a tyagi, nothing could distract them from God, for nothing else measures up. They've outgrown their childish things, even the things that most adults cling to. A tyagi has grown up. They have grown into their own self. I'm going to be bold here. I'm going out on a limb. I'm going to say that Narada has it backwards. Even Vedanta and Buddhism, even Jesus, you don't have to leave your home and family. If you do, you know what? You'll just find another one anyway. So what's the point? Kashmiri Shaivism makes it very clear. Your first task is to find the divine in your own self. You stay in your home with your family. You do your dharma, your duty. You give and serve out of love, but without neediness, without clinging. You grow into your own self. As you expand inward, which happens most powerfully in meditation, your mind and heart expand as well. You see your own self. You be your own self. Then you see the divine in all, being all, and you love all, cherish all. Want to see them all thrive and shine with their own divine light. There's nothing to cling to. For anything you grab onto will hold you back. It's like how they catch monkeys in India. They take a pot with a narrow neck and they put a coin down inside of it. Then they tie a rope around the neck of the pot with the other end tied around the trunk of a tree. And they place the pot in the crook of the tree limb and leave. The monkeys come along and wonder, oh, what's this? They pick up the pot and peer inside it, and they shake it, and it makes a noise. Hmm. Then one of them reaches inside to grab what's in there. Once the monkey has the coin in their hand, they cannot get their hand out again. 
the neck of the pot is too narrow. So the monkey shrieks and screams, announcing to the hunters that they've caught a monkey. So they come running and tie up the monkey to take it away. Still, the monkey won't let go of the coin in the pot. So they break the pot and they've got the monkey. Ah, and here you find yourself again, <laughs> trapped by the things you're clinging to. So hang on to the mantra instead. Om Swarupa Swaswa Bhava Namo Namaha.